Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Shamakar Sandu from Toronto in Canada, and even though we didn't have MMA on the docket this past weekend, MMA still ruled the headlines in the combat sports world. Triller Fight Club took over and uh, all hell broke loose in Florida. We also have more hell breaking loose at the MTV VMAs, more of which a little bit later. And of course, we have a double header weekend, UFC Fight Night 192 and Bellator 266 coming up this weekend. Sandu, how was your week, my friend? It was good. Obviously, nice to have a Saturday night off. I know UFC, but it was obviously action-packed uh, because there were so many MMA fighters, as you mentioned, Simon, in the headlines for a variety of different reasons. So giving us plenty to talk about this week. Yeah, big sporting weekend, though. I mean, oh, Emma Raducanu doing the business in the tennis, coming out of absolutely nowhere this past summer. Brilliant stuff in the, in the, uh, the US Open. And the Formula One was absolutely insane. If you haven't seen the incident between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, find it on YouTube. One of the maddest incidents we've seen so far this season. It was a good sporting weekend. And I was like, ah, such a shame we haven't got some real MMA interest. But boy, we did. And let's talk about it. Triller Fight Club Legends 2 from Florida. It was supposed to be California because it was going to be Vito Belfort versus Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, the Golden Boy gets COVID-19. They draft in Evander Holyfield and the California State Athletic Commission want nothing to do with a 58-year-old, uh, very slurry former heavyweight champion of the world, fighting a heavy hitter like Vitor Belfort. Won't sanction the fight. What does Triller do? They move to Florida where anything goes, including COVID. And here we go. We have an event. Donald Trump's doing guest commentary. We've got a very... It was almost like a Republican rally at points. We had a crazy woman in the crowd completely disrespecting the 9-11 tribute. Uh, where they do the sounding of the ten bells, it was it was just a it just felt really grubby at points. And then it came to the fights, and uh, for me, Sandu, the highlight was the co-main events. Let's talk about that: it's Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz, both of them the same age, which came as a little bit of a surprise. You know, you think Anderson Silva's much more recent in his career, and you see them both in the ring, and you know that that gap in class was evident. It was it was just off the scale in terms of striking ability, Silver doing the business, bit of ducking and weaving, big right hand, and then that was pretty much it. First round knockout. What did you make of that? Yeah, this was the fight on the card that I was most looking forward to, if I'm being honest. Anson Silver's run in boxing is probably one of the feel-good stories of the year. And it kind of went down pretty much how everyone thought it would. He outclassed Hugh Ortiz, knocks him out in the first round. And, I mean, let's face it, you know, if you're Jake Paul, Logan Paul... He's got to be on your list now, and I'm sure if, if you're Anderson Silva, if you know if if you're going to try and you know make as much money as possible in the last year or two, maybe in your combat sports career in the world of boxing, those are probably the, the, the fights that are going to generate enough revenue for you to kind of walk away really happy, and also just be involved in a real high-profile fight, just given the nature of the Paul brothers and, and what they're doing in combat sports right now. But yeah. You know, it was fantastic. You know, Anton Silva, as a striker, one of the greatest of all time in mixed martial arts. And it's incredible to see what he's been able to do in boxing in his 40s. And could you only imagine if he had dedicated his entire life just to boxing, what, 20-odd years ago, what he could have done. 
um, easily maybe perhaps been a world champion, maybe even in multiple different work, you know, weight classes. Who knows? Uh, but he left his mark in the world of mixed martial arts, one of the greatest of all time. And yeah, like I said, just a feel-good moment. Really happy for him. He got paid. He knocked out Tio Ortiz. Let's face it, Tio Ortiz hasn't really been, you know, everyone's favorite person for a variety of different reasons for a number of years now. So all in all, like I said, this was the fight I was most looking forward to, and it delivered. Yeah, I was like Tito in o- over the years has shown himself to be pretty durable, but as he's gotten older, that that sort of punch resistance has started to wane a little bit. And Anderson Silva, even with the big the big boxing gloves on, can still pack a punch. I mean, there, there was virtually a one punch knockout. He he was out against the ropes, wasn't he? Before a couple of extra shots put him down to the canvas. Uh, big knockout for him. That was really the highlight of the card. It was a four-fight card, and uh, we had David Hay, basically just in cruise control, former heavyweight champion from here in the UK, um, against uh, Joe Fournier, and then calls out Tyson Fury. That fight is never happening in a million years, but hey, he called him out anyway. What the hell? And then another big call-out after the main event. We had Evander Holyfield versus Vitor Belfort. Anyone who saw Evander Holyfield's open workout footage in the week knew what was coming because... Holyfield, and I have so much respect for Evander Holyfield, Evander Holyfield, one of the best heavyweight champions of all time. I think he's the only five-time heavyweight champion of the world, and he's been in there with some of the very best of all time and beaten them. But this is a 58-year-old Evander Holyfield who I didn't think had any business being in the ring. I, as I say, I've got all the respect for him. That was mercifully short. I thought the referee dived in at exactly the right point. Vitor Belfort dropped him early. There were a couple of kind of slips where he was off balance. Uh, Holyfield, where he sort of fell through the ropes at one point and touched down again at another point. But he, it was it was it was painful to watch. Um, and I know there were some boxing guys online saying that you know it was a disgrace, and you know it's hard not to agree with them. And uh, you know Belfort did what he had to do. Didn't really have to break much of a sweat. But then, having done that goes on this wild call-out of Jake Paul, which sounded to me like he'd, he'd, he'd rehearsed it in the mirror a few times, and there was really going for it. And then in comes Ryan Kavanagh. I don't know who the other dude was. You might be able to enlighten me. I don't know. But it was 25 million winner-takes-all, and then just some random, I don't know. I'm sure he's stinking rich and very successful at what he does. Don't know who he was. Apologies to him. He then turned around and upped it from 25 million to 30 million, and they're saying winner-takes-all, Jake Paul, versus Vitor Belfort. And I don't know if Jake Paul will touch that fight with a barge pole, to be honest with you. Um, but it was a it was a, a main event of of note because how because it was Evander Holyfield, because it was controversial. Vitor Belfort looked looked quite good, but how good can you look against a guy in that shape? Vitor Belfort versus Anderson Silva would not suck as a fight. Maybe we could see that. But what did you make of it? I mean I was watching the whole event and some of it left a bit of a, a bit of a, a weird taste in my mouth, to be honest. And that main event was definitely the thing that really made me the most uneasy because, well, because of the age, because how slow Holyfield clearly was in incredible physical shape. If I look like that at 58 years old, I'm doing all right. And I, I don't look like it at 44. So, um, but he shouldn't be taking punches from professional combat athletes anymore. My personal opinion. What did you reckon? Yeah, it was uncomfortable, wasn't it? And I'm yeah. kind of glad it ended the way it did, like you said. It was just the right time. Referee steps in, waves it off. I know Holyfield was disappointed um, of the stoppage, but I think most people that were tuning in and in attendance probably thought, thank God, because everybody was fearing the worst. Everyone 
legitimately thought Belfort was going to just land a, a massive blow, knock out Holyfield, and God knows what the uh, the repercussions of that could have potentially been. So yeah, obviously, you know, ending on a bit of a, a low point this event because everybody was so worried and concerned, but ultimately they kind of got away with it fairly unscathed to be honest with you yes there was a lot of negative backlash both in the build-up and even in the aftermath of the event but they put on this event they did it in florida the florida commission let's face it is everyone's going to you know go to if one commission doesn't approve you fly over to florida you know what did the uh, the governor of florida call that particular state the uh, the oasis of freedom there you go the oasis of freedom go and do whatever you want and they will clear it no problem at all um yeah vito belfort calling out jake paul what a, what a surprise. How many fighters out there in both you know, boxing and MMA are calling out Jake or Logan Paul? It's the money fight. you know. It's the fight that will get you tons of attention, tons of endorsements and, and sponsorships if you, you know, get, get that fight. But look at Tyron Woodley. He talked about how this was like one of the, if not the most lucrative fight of his career. And he's a former UFC champion. So yeah, no surprise there whatsoever. If I'm a betting man, I'm thinking... Jake Paul probably does not take the Vitor Belfort fight. I think there are better fights, more lucrative fights. Not to mention, Jake Paul isn't in business with Triller anymore. He's a, he's in business with Showtime. Uh, and I can't really see a Showtime-Triller co-promotion. They just feel like both organizations just do things completely differently. And I feel like Jake Paul took a massive step up, both not in, in competition, but the overall event had that premium feel had that polished feel, both the build-up, the media coverage, uh, the content that was churned out, the Showtime brand, everything was fantastic. And I think that's the level he wants to keep it at because he's obviously looking for the big money fights, but he wants to one day become a champion in the world of boxing. So to take a step back to Triller and work with them in any capacity, I don't think would be the right move for him. Um, I think, you know, a fight against, like, you know, where do you go from Tyron Woodley? You go from potentially the greatest welterweight, one of the greatest welterweights of all time, to how about one of the legitimate greatest of all time in the world of mixed martial arts? I think Jake Paul, Anderson Silva makes a ton of sense for a whole bunch of different reasons. Everyone in the MMA world is really loving this renaissance uh, Anderson Silva run in, in boxing. They're happy to see him get paid. They're happy to see him display his skill set in, in, a, in a world that only involves striking, which he's an expert at. And, you know, there are so many people that want to see Jake Paul, you know, get his just desserts and who better to give, to give him that than, than Anderson Silva. And on the Jake Paul side, could you imagine having Anderson Silva on your resume? Um, and, you know, I don't know what Anderson Silva's contractual situation with Triller, but it seems like it's, you know, fair game at the moment. Um, if You know, I don't think there's as many, um, I guess, terms and conditions that are holding you back if you're exclusively on a contract, for, say, for example, the UFC. You know, I'm sure Jorge Masvidal would love to fight Jake Paul, but I just don't think Dana White's going to allow that to happen. So, yeah, I think um, for Vitor Belfort to call out Jake Paul, not surprised. I don't think he's going to be getting that fight next, but fair play to him to try and cash in, given the fact that he was the main event on Saturday night. Yeah, and it be, you know, if it isn't going to be Jake Paul for Vitor Belfort, who is it going to be? You know, it was supposed to be Oscar De La Hoya. There's no mention of that happening again. So. Who knows what's going to happen next for Vitor Belfort? But it's clearly a, a revenue stream for these these uh, aging or retired fighters who are still in good shape and want to want to get in there and throw some hands. And uh, Anderson Silva in particular is showing that you really can still do it. And I think I think the the Jake Paul fight 
would be great. I think Jake Paul will fight Tommy Fury next. I think I think that is the I think that is the most likely one. That seems to be where the promotional push is going. I think Showtime are trying to transition Jake Paul into legitimate boxing territory rather than keeping him in. I'll put this in quotation marks. Uh, celebrity boxing matchups, so or, or freak fight territory or cross codes fights. I think the next step for him, put him in there with some legit professional boxers and see how he goes. And Tommy Fury, you know, they've already laid the groundwork for that. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, that was what we had on, on Saturday night, but that wasn't the only bit of drama related to MMA, Sandu. We've even, I think it was probably, I think it was last night, wasn't it? The, uh, the VMAs, which I'll be honest with you, I did not watch. It is not my bag at all, but I woke up this morning and uh, who do I see? Uh, all over my social media, trending worldwide, Conor McGregor. I'm like, okay, what's happened here? He hasn't said anything. What he did was got involved in what seemed like a pretty minor scuffle. I mean, it didn't look like they came to blows or anything, but uh, some drink got spilled. And uh, with all the media being there on the red carpet, it w- it went worldwide instantly. Um, what was your take on what you saw and being our, our you know, the Brit Pack social media guru that you are, what did you make of the reaction to it? Because it's yet more negative headlines for Conor McGregor. Yeah, look, I saw it. I saw it pop up on my, on my timeline. I didn't even touch it. I just thought, you know, this is you know, maybe a, a while back. This is something that I would have jumped on, reposted it uh, to see what kind of reaction I would see in my comments. But I just thought, you know what? I can't be bothered. I really can't be bothered. It's like, is this another incident? What's the point? Yes, it went viral. Yes, all the usual suspects picked it up um, in terms of media outlets. And yeah, look, Conor McGregor, you know, dash, dash, dash. It's just always going to get clicks and views and engagement, right? Especially if it's negative, especially if it's in a situation and a big event like the VMAs. And more so if it's involving another celebrity, in this case, Machine Gun Kelly. So it's kind of weird it's like you're you're you got a, a bum leg right now or, or a bum ankle. You should be focused on recovery. Um, but I don't know. I don't even know if Conor McGregor cares. To be honest with you, whether it's good or bad publicity, it's just any publicity is good publicity, I guess. And that's been his, I guess, mo for a while now. He's not going to be fighting anytime soon. So stuff like this will definitely generate headlines and keep him there in the limelight, whether it's good or bad. Um, we're not going to see Conor McGregor versus Machine Gun Kelly, so who gives a shit? You know, it's like, all right, there was an incident, and it happened. Um, it's not a good look, but like I said, I don't think he cares. And frankly, neither do I. I don't care either. No, nah, no. Nah, I mean, and here's the thing. Like, you mentioned about the, the whole publicity thing. Conor McGregor knows when he wants some publicity. He will do something or say something I don't think this was that at all. I think this was him being legitimately irked by something. This wasn't him thinking, right, I'm going to get some headlines by doing X, Y, Z. You know, I don't think there was anything contrived about it. I just think something upset him and uh, there was a little bit of a flashpoint. Thankfully, it didn't boil over. It didn't spoil what seemed like a pretty spectacular night. Um, And, you know, he's in the headlines again. But, you know, we just want the man back fit, back on the uh, back back in training, back in training camp and hopefully on a fight card. Um, and whoever he does fight, it'll be a huge fight. But yeah, it seems like um, the headlines will follow him around and will continue to do so almost regardless of what he does. But uh, 
yeah, the, on a, on a on a week or yeah, a week where it's been relatively quiet in the world of MMA, that has been probably the story that has, has really leapt off the page the most. But thankfully, Sandu, we have two fight cards coming up this weekend: UFC Fight Night One Nine Two and Bellator Two Sixty Six. Unusually, are going head to head. Bellator quite often will run a show on a, on a Friday night. Both these shows are going live on Saturday night. Bellator, obviously, on Showtime and uh, BBC iPlayer here in the UK. UFC will be uh, ESPN Plus and here in the UK on BT Sport. Let's talk about the UFC first. The main event, light heavyweight fight. Big opportunity for Superman Ryan Spann, who is fighting up the rankings a good few places as well against former championship challenger Anthony Lionheart-Smith. It's a big fight for Span. He hasn't had an opportunity to really go for the very top guys. This is this is kind of his almost a gatekeeper type fight. If he can get through Anthony Smith, he's fighting a legit championship contender next time. As if Smith isn't already, he is. But if he gets past Smith, then he's really in the thick of it, isn't he? It's a huge fight for him. Yeah, look, light heavyweight is a shadow division. Um, so if you can put a string of wins together, you can make some noise fairly quickly. And I think Ryan Spann's found himself in a fantastic position here, Simon, where it's a main event. It's against Anthony Smith, like you mentioned, former title challenger. And oh, by the way, an Anthony Smith that has really rebounded from a couple of losses in the early part of 2020. He lost to Glover Teixeira, then he lost to Alexander Rakic. Bounced back fairly quickly late last year against Devin Clark. And then he started off his 2021 campaign with a first round TKO win against Jimmy Crew. So Anthony Smith got his mojo back again, got some momentum going. Uh, a good fight for him also to take on someone like Ryan Spann that obviously has some momentum behind him. You know, he's been fairly you know consistent. You know, he, he lost against Johnny Walker last year, but outside of that, He's pretty much won all of his fights in the UFC, not to mention, you know, he was part of the Dana White Contender Series. That didn't go well for him. He lost to Carl Robinson. But, you know, once he did make it to the UFC proper, he's got wins against Misha Serkinov, Sam Alvey, Devin Clark, Antonio, Rogerio, Noguera, Luis Enrique. So, you know, he's someone that obviously is on the right side of 30. He's actually 30 on the dot. And if you look at the rest of the division, Glover Teixeira will be fighting you know, Jan Blahovic uh, in not too, the not too distant future for, for the championship. And I think Glover's like 44. So, you know, Ryan Spann at 30, taking on someone like Anthony Smith, I think is a winnable fight for him. And I'm very curious to see how this one plays out. Yeah, Spann is 9-1 and one from his last 10 fights. And as you say, he's only lost the once in the UFC. He's ranked 11th as we sit here right now in the UFC light heavyweight division. Smith listed 6th. So that's a big old jump for him. If he can beat Anthony Smith, he'll, he will rock it up those rankings and he'll be looking at top five opposition the next time he sets foot in the octagon, maybe towards the end of this year, early next year, depending on how uh, how he comes through this weekend's fight. But yeah, big, big fight for him. As for Anthony Smith, you know, he's had so many fights, so many fights, 51 career fights he's had, which is remarkable. And he's come through and he was... Initially a middleweight, moved up to light heavyweight. And he's been in there with some of the very best. You know, John Jones, Alex Kostasin, Vulcan Ozdemir, Alexander Rakic. You, you know, you, you list them off. You know, Mauricio Shogun Hua, Rashad Evans. So he's been in there with some big names. And 
he's he's handled himself really really well i mean you know the title fight against john jones he's still kicking himself about that because we didn't see the real anthony lionheart smith in that fight but he's working his way back he's on a win streak now a couple of first round finishes in the bank as you say devin clark and jimmy crew if you finish jimmy crew in the first round you're doing something good even if, if you you know you're putting him away that fast um because crew i think is definitely someone who could be a contender in the years to come this is a dangerous, dangerous fight for either man, really. And uh, big rewards for the winner. It's going to be a top five fight next time out. Just having a quick look at the other fights on that card. It's light heavyweights in the co-main event, Sandy. Ian Kutalaba, who is a crazy man, we know this, uh, against Devin Clark. The weigh-ins are always worth watching when Ian Kutalaba is involved because you know the face-off is going to get Larry. And uh, that will be the picture you'll see on all of the MMA sites uh, leading into fight night. Iron Kutalaba doing something absolutely nuts um, in, in the face-off. Ariane Lipsky's on the card. Armas Sarukian, who I like a lot of lightweight, he's on the card. And uh, Joachim Buckley, he of the spectacular knockout from last year. He's back in action. He opens up the main card. But uh, again, it's one of these cards, isn't it, Sandu, where not stacked with loads of household names or A-list talent, but a lot of guys who can really go out there and stake a claim for for a bigger fight further down the line i agree i also feel like and i know we're going to talk about the bellator card in a second i feel like this is probably one of those nights where bellator has an opportunity to win a lot of the headlines um because it's like you said this isn't the most stacked ufc card yes there's a lot of fights but you know we've talked about this before where the ufc puts on what 40 plus events a year they're not all going to be pay-per-view level stacked with title fights and marquee names and all the rest of it and when you know you've got a lot of these events taking place in the apex i'm sure there's still plenty of fighters on the ufc roster from various parts of the world that just haven't been able to get a consistent run of fights um so they've kind of been kind of almost handcuffed into um working with you know perhaps us-based gyms and camps um and it's been fairly difficult to get um, international events going. We saw what happened last weekend uh, with the event that was supposed to take place in London move over to the Apex, and they got a handful of the Brits, but there were a ton of other Brits that were scheduled to potentially fight in London that never got a chance for a variety of different reasons. So, yeah, it's an all right card, Simon. We'll see what the um, the outcome is in the aftermath. And to be honest with you, this is probably going to be one of those vehicles where you're, you're, you know an MMA fan or a UFC fan will tune in, and what they're going to do they're going to really push the narrative of the following week. They're going to really push the narrative of, hey, Nick Diaz is back. Nick Diaz is fighting on pay-per-view in seven days. So expect to see lots of promotion for that on this weekend's card as well. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the Bellator card. Let's just jump straight on that, shall we? The main event is a big one in the Bellator light heavyweight division. Former champion Phil Davis is going to welcome Yoel Romero to the Bellator cage. The long-awaited Bellator debut of Yoel Romero, and uh, it's in the main event on Saturday night, going head-to-head -head with a light heavyweight fight in the UFC. I mean, this is this is a big one. And to be honest with you, if you're comparing the two main events, this is the fight that I want to watch. Seeing Yoel Romero at 205 pounds where he doesn't have to do that crippling weight cut that we've seen from him so many times at 185 where he walks out and looks absolutely awful on the scale and then comes out and looks like a beast on fight night. Yoel Romero, without a weight cut, could be absolutely out of this world. Even though he is no spring chicken, he is still one of the most spectacular fighters 
uh, to watch because you just do not know what you're going to get from him. He's one of the most explosive guys out there. But we have to point it out, Sandu. He's lost four of his last five. Yes, they're world championship level fights, but he's facing a world championship level contender right now and a former champion in Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis. This is no gimme fight for him. He's stepping straight in and he's got to do the business straight off the bat. How do you think he's going to get on? This is not going to be easy for Yoel Romero, Simon, because yes, Phil Davis has, you know, plenty of losses on his record, five, but they've all been by decision. He has never been finished. And the crazy thing is, Simon, three of the decisions he's lost have been split decision. So what does that tell you? Very, very close contest. Yoel Romero, he's been out for a while as well, Simon. You know, the last time we saw him fight was UFC 248 against Israel Adesanya well over a year ago. It was March of 2020. You already mentioned the fact that he lost four of his last five. Who has he lost to? Robert Whitaker twice. Paolo Costa and Israel Adesanya. And the Robert Whitaker fights were absolute wars. Um, like, those are the kind of fights that really do change the course of your career with the the amount of damage that you've taken. And the history and the, 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 the background to this story with Yoel Romero signing with Bellator was he was supposed to fight Anthony Rumble Johnson and then wasn't medically cleared. He's now medically cleared to compete, which is fantastic news for him and for Bellator. It's just a little bit surprising that they couldn't perhaps wait to put him in a situation where he perhaps could fight Anthony Rumble Johnson, because that was the fight everybody really wanted. That was the fight when they signed both Johnson and Romero. Everyone's like, wow, that's going to be uh, a fight that will definitely steal all the headlines, pop a rating, Bellator will be in the news. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of performs from uh, a reactionary standpoint, but, but also in the buildup, it'll be an absolute shocker for Bellator if Romero comes in and loses to, to Phil Davis here because he was a legitimate marquee signing for them as a free agent. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since he fought. Hopefully for him and for Bellator, he can do the business. But my goodness, from a matchmaking standpoint, it doesn't get any tougher than Phil Davis. It, he is just stylistically very, very tough to defeat. Um, so it's going to be you know interesting to see how this one plays out. But I agree with you, Simon. I'm going to be paying attention. I'm going to have to do some some sort of split screen. I don't know if the the two main events will cl you know, directly clash and go head to head, or if there'll be some time separated before uh, one event finishes and, and the other main event starts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But one way or another, I will definitely 100% be paying attention to this Bellator main event this weekend. Yeah, and stylistically, it is a really really interesting fight because Phil Davis collegiate all-american in 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 wrestling yoel romero former uh, olympic silver medalist in wrestling so you've got two guys who are previously were right at the top of the food chain in terms of wrestling romero higher level right davis has the size and reach advantage going into this i am certain romero even as a middleweight wasn't actually the biggest middleweight out there you know he's just absolutely muscle packed you know he's an absolute monster of a man, but not the tallest, even at middleweight. So he's going to be the smaller man against Phil Davis. And I think we'll notice that on fight night, just the size. And I think Phil Davis's reach will be, a, will be a big factor, but Phil Davis is not 
really known as a knockout artist either. You know, Phil Davis wins a lot of fights by decision. And he goes out there and he uses his wrestling very well defensively. Um, he's able to turn the tables on his opponents. I don't know whether he'll be able to do that against Joel Romero. So you've got Romero, who I think will have, have the power advantage for sure. But can he get inside and actually make that power count? So the question is, will we get a spectacular outcome or will they kind of cancel each other out? Um, and it just be a bit of a slow-paced kickboxing matchup. I hope not. I hope not, because if if Romero can explode into a flying knee or something, we've seen it before. We were both there at MSG when he did it to Chris Weidman and left the whole of New York absolutely open-mouthed in amazement. Um, we could see something like that again on Saturday night. It's taking place at the Shark Tank, by the way, the, the, the famous SAP center in uh, San Jose, California, home of the San Jose Sharks. Always a superb atmosphere in that building for fight night. Uh, old, a, a very famous uh, old school venue for the old Strike Force card. Scott Coker knows that place like the back of his hand, so uh, he'll be happy to go back there. And just on the topic of uh, Scott Coker, before I go on and mention one more bout on the card, they announced this past week they have signed Kyoji Horiguchi which is an absolutely massive signing. He kind of played both sides of the coin a little bit. He was with Rising, and they brought him over as a, almost as a guest fighter to fight on Bellator cards. And at one point, he held bantamweight titles in both Rising and Bellator. Um, he ended up having to drop both belts through injury. And uh, now, after some time on the shelf, he is now back in Bellator as a fully contracted fighter. So he is now a Bellator fighter. He's not a rising fighter anymore. He's a Bellator fighter. And seriously, that bantamweight division is absolutely stacked. We talk about it almost every week, how good the bantamweights are in both promotions. That is going to be exciting. I think the next thing we're going to hear is a Bellator bantamweight Grand Prix. It's got to happen. And stick Horiguchi in there, James Gallagher in there, Patrick Mix, or Patchy Mix, rather. They're facing off in Dublin later this year. Stick them all in the Grand Prix. We could see a lot of fun. But a uh, little bit of news there uh, on, on Horiguchi, Sandu. Yeah, absolutely. Great signing for them. And I agree. They've obviously signed him so they can insert it. Well, they've obviously signed him because he's one of the best bantamweights in the world, number one. Uh, but number two, I think everything's you know trending towards Bellator putting on this bantamweight Grand Prix. And I like it, Simon. One Grand Prix a year from Bellator, something different. It's easy to follow along. It involves, you know, your, you know, the the vast majority of, I, I would imagine, their top talent in that in that division, and it's fun. It's different. I don't think a second or a third Grand Prix per year um, would work. It just gets a little bit messy to follow. But one, it's clean, it's easy, and we saw what happened um, with the the featherweight Grand Prix from this year. I mean, you essentially, you know, that was a vehicle for AJ McKee to become the champion. You got the, the marquee matchup. It worked out perfectly with him and Pitbull. And, um, yeah, you know, not all tournaments end up working out. So fingers crossed there's no suspensions or injuries and there's no situations where someone has to fill in uh, for a particular bout. But if everything works out well, this could be another showcase of their talent at 135 pounds. And I'm, I'd be very excited about that. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their rankings, their top 10 is loaded. And then you throw Horiguchi into the mix. And uh, you've got a really, really strong field, you know, whether you go uh, eight man tournament or even ex extend it out to 16, you could probably do that. Um, and the way that they handled it with the featherweight Grand Prix, with the with the selection show where they got to choose their brackets, absolutely loved all that stuff. That was a real throwback to the old K1 days 
Really enjoyed that. I hope they do that again. And uh, yeah, they've got such talent in that division and some big characters as well. And of course, Sergio Pettis currently holding the belt at the top of the tree at 135 pounds. Uh, very quickly before, before we move on, there's a Brit in action on Saturday night. Saul Rogers, the hangman, is back in action. And crucially, he's back at 155 pounds. He has not fought at lightweight since before he joined Bellator. So, so he joined Bellator and has been at 45 all the way through. And now he's gone back to 55. He's taking on Georgie Caracanyan. Uh, he was going to take on Adam Piccolotti. He's now taking on Georgie Caracanyan, a, a longtime veteran of Bellator. And uh, he'll be looking to pick up a big, important win. He's alternating wins and losses so far, Sandu, in, uh, in his Bellator career. He's got wins over Aiden Lee and Arby Medjidov. Uh, lost the decision to Daniel Veitchel. Was submitted last time out by Mads Bernal, who looks the real deal at 145 and could be going for a belt in the not-too-distant future if he keeps that form up. But uh, as for Saul Rogers, one of the most talented and underrated fighters to come out of this country over the last 10 years, I would say. He's now got a chance to really go on a new run at 155 where he looked like an absolute beast coming through the Ultimate Fighter. So I'm looking forward to seeing him back in the mix again. And Simon, I have to say, I think this is going to be a very, very tough fight for him because obviously George Kakarian, you know, very experienced fighter. But in an interview with James Lynch, he told James that this is the last fight on his current Bellator contract. So he's kind of heading into free agency on the back of this fight. So you know he's going to be going in there to make sure he puts on a great performance, obviously gets the win, maybe a finish, and then he can obviously go out into free agency with a ton of momentum. So this isn't going to be a, a showcase fight for Saul Rogers. This isn't going to be a layup for him. It's a very, very tough fight. I have no doubt he has a capability of winning. But yeah, of your, all the fights outside of the main event on this Bellator card, this is the one that I'm most interested in. Yeah, and like he's coming off a, a first-round submission of Ireland's Kiefer Crosby at Bellator 263. He's on a two-fight win streak, and uh, he shared the cage with some of the very best that Bellator have to offer in the lightweight and featherweight divisions over the years. He likes to jump the weight classes and uh, take whatever fights he can get. And he's been in there with some some big Bellator names over the years and, you know, got a lot of fights under his belt. He will be going hell for leather to defeat Saul Rogers on Saturday night. That one will be on the main card. Just having a quick look at the main card. Saul Rogers versus Georgie Karakanin will be the second fight up on the main card at Bellator. 266 that will be available live on bbc iplayer as well you'll get the uh, the recaps of that on iplayer the following morning and fingers crossed my report on the bbc sport website uh, when you wake up as well sandu not the longest of our, of, uh, of shows for us this week but it's been a relatively light week we've got some big stuff coming down the line but uh yeah looking forward to getting back into the uh into the swing of things with a, a, a double header weekend. It's just a shame they're both on pretty much at the same time. That's the only disappointment, really. Yeah, I think for the most part, Bellator have been holding their events on Friday nights uh, and the UFC have been holding theirs on, on Saturdays, you know, which is good, for, I guess. They're not really clashing. But I guess there's pros and cons to both situations, right? I think when you have a solid card and you feel as, you know, you feel confident in your ability to steal all the headlines, which, like I said before, better to have the opportunity to do. But perhaps it doesn't hurt them too much to go head to head. Now, it's always funny when I see the the, the viewership and the ratings, etc., come out 
in the aftermath because ESPN and ES- ESPN Plus are completely different platforms to Showtime. You know, we're talking about paywalls and, you know, being in X number of homes and all the rest of it. For example, Bellator here in Canada, they don't have a, a TV deal. We watch it on YouTube, which is great. It's easy to slap on YouTube. Um, and that's probably going to be how I'll watch. I'll, I'll have, you know, um, you know, the UFC on, on TV and I'll just like have Bellator on YouTube. But yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting situation. Let's see if long term, if they you know, do switch back and forth to Fridays and Saturdays or if they just, you know, put a stake in the ground and say, we're going to be on Saturdays or we're going to be on Fridays. I think there's, like I said, there's, there's pros and cons to both situations in terms of which markets they're in, how many tickets they can sell. Like, for example, Simon, the, the London card and the Dublin card coming up over the next couple of months. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are, are they on Fridays or are they on Saturdays? They are on Friday nights, I think. Uh, right. I'm, I'm just double-checking Bellator 270, which is November the 5th. I'm just trying to check. That is also a Friday night, so there you go, yeah. So that week is a big week, actually. We've got Bellator 270 on Friday the 5th, and then we've got UFC 268, Usman versus Covington, the rematch, on the Saturday. So that's a huge week, that one. The uh, the mm. preview show that week will be a big one. So, And uh, Bellator London will be on Monday August, sorry, August, October the first. So uh, keep keep your eyes out for some uh, some preview content leading into that. I'm going to be doing some stuff with MMA Junkie on the ground for them, and uh, obviously we will be doing uh, a bumper Brit Pack show uh, leading into that one as well. So and also that week it's a huge week for MMA in London, Sandy, because not only have we got Bellator on Friday the first of October, we've got Cage Warriors are holding a trilogy that weekend as well. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the York Hall in Bethnal Green is going to have a whole load of fights on, including some great world title fights for Cage Warriors. So if you like your MMA and you've got UFC Fight Pass and you've got BBC iPlayer on this side of the pond, fill your boots. There's absolutely loads of it coming down the line. We'll try and preview as much of it as we can uh, heading into that particular week. bit quieter this week, but uh, I think we've got it all just about covered off. It should be, uh, should be a fun night on Saturday night. Good to get back into the swing of things. And uh, yeah, we're off and running again after a gap week. We certainly are. Now, if you want to support the show, the best place to do that is the website, which is the BritPackMMA.com. From there, you can find our social handles, both the show, myself, Simon's. We're available on Spotify and Apple. For those of you that do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you could do us a solid favor, rate and review us. That's just how the Apple podcast algorithm works. The more ratings and and reviews you get for your show, um, the more promotion Apple podcasts give it uh, to potential new listeners. So if you want to support us and you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, literally take out 30 seconds, rate and review us, and uh, that would be much appreciated. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, we will not talk about Tottenham Hotspur's performance at the weekend. We which, will uh, not. <laughs> which was not the best. Not the best. But uh, everything is kicking up a gear. Football's back. We've got a British tennis champion. Formula One's going mad. Everything is going crazy. And uh, the Brit Pack is going to be in the thick of it in the coming weeks as MMA heads back over this side of the pond. It's all US based this weekend though, so get the uh, get the beers in the fridge, get the coffee warmed up and ready to go. It's double header weekend. We'll be catching as much of the action as we can and we will recap it all next week on the Brit Pack. Enjoy the fights as always. 
and we'll speak to you next week.